I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we are here today to talk about your favorite Rick Riordan book. Wait, I, I messed that up a little bit. Maybe it is. Uh, and we're here today. If it today. is, you deserve better. That's true. It's fine. But, you know, there, there are definitely better ones out there. We're your favorite <laughs> podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're finishing The Serpent's Shadow. We certainly are. We called our way through to the end. We're done with, well, I mean, we might have a wrap episode after this, but we're, Mm -hmm. for all intents and purposes, we're done with reading the Kane Chronicles. How are you today, Jacqueline? I'm okay. You know, I'm, I'm living a life. I'm vibing. I'm I'm enjoying a nice beverage. Actually, I'm, I'm enjoying a nice water. Water is not a beverage. I forget about that sometimes. Is it? Does it not? I thought beverage is anything you drink. No, beverage is anything that, that you drink that isn't water. Oh. Yeah. It's a peculiar little word. Strange. Uh-huh. How are you, Jane? Uh, I'm doing all right. I made a Kane Chronicle shit post that you said I'm not allowed to show anyone. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm doing good today. Well, so we kind of already did the bit last episode, so it's fine. We did, but like it, it fits even better in these chapters is what kills me about it. Uh-huh. Well, anyway. Speaking of these chapters, I believe you wrote Wait. No, we can't go into it yet. We can't. Why not? We have to celebrate the holiday that it is. Oh, uh, fuck's sake. It's Grover Week, baby. Apparently Grover Week exists. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, it's I've never heard of Grover Week. I didn't I don't know if it existed before this year, but it's it's Grover Week. We're celebrating that special boy. Frankly, I'm surprised that he gets an entire week. Like, he's not even that important a character in the books. It's fascinating because, like, the pitch that I heard on this thing was like, oh, Grover is such an underappreciated character. But I feel like like the word you actually meant was, like, underutilized, underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. Underrated by Rick Riordan. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some cute fan art coming out there. You can check the Twitter hashtags for... For for the Grover week to see, uh, but you know, I'm yeah. I guess let's celebrate the Goat Boy. The Riordans put some whack stuff on Twitter. Like what, what was that thing? There was a few weeks ago. Where there was a tweet about a museum. Oh yeah, there was. I think it was Becky Riordan. Uh huh. Just tweeted like this has no special meaning, and then posted a Twitter of like the Met. Yeah, it was a picture of the Met with uh, no secret messages or agendas, just because. Which obviously is a lie. <laughs> it's a lie, but also just like out of context, it was just fucking terrifying to read. Uh-huh. Beck, Becky, what the fuck are you talking about? It's like, is this like a conspiracy thing? Are you saying that it's like the deep state happening? Maybe she's going to be like Justin McElroy's wife and like, I don't know, run for, run for local office on that platform. No secret messages or agendas. <laughs> I thought you were going to say be like Justin McElroy's wife and believe in uh, CIA-funded conspiracy theories. God. <laughs> uh, well, that's enough Grover Week for now. That's enough Grover Week. That's enough um, half-hearted swipes at the McElroys. You know what? You know what? No. Let's, what's your favorite Grover moment? Your favorite a certified Grover moment? A certified Grover moment? Uh... A hashtag Grover moment. An authentic Grover moment. Probably something in the first book. That was the one where he was a pretty good character. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll give mine. I think it was the part where he was in the back of the truck and he was just, like, talking to all those poor abused animals. Yeah, that was pretty good. I think he let them free. That was good. My favorite moment is um, in the uh, Lightning Thief movie where be- he becomes a really offensive stereotype of a pimp. Of a pimp? Where he's just got, like, a bunch of women hanging off his arms as he is, like, wandering around this casino. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Horrible fucking movie. Uh, really you know, bad. That's not, a very, that's not a very authentic Grover moment, but I guess we can move it's, on. It's not. They really fucked up the character in that movie. <laughs> no. Uh, anyway. Shall we, shall we move on to the chapter summary? 
Uh, I, I should move on to the chapter summaries. All right. Well, you go ahead and do that. Chapter 20. Carter. I take a chair. Carter and Sadie finally finish their execration spell against Apophis, but he drops a bombshell on them. Since Ma'at and Chaos must balance, killing him is also going to force the gods out of mortal life, possibly forever. Carter and Sadie just kind of breeze over the difficult choice they should be making here and finish killing Apophis, which also means Ra is retrieved from his tummy. He separates from Zia and then disappears with the rest of the gods. Carter takes Zia to the healing area, then wanders around the first known as the various magicians try to repair the damage from the battle. A shady figure calls to him from a back alley, and it turns out to be Setni, now freed from the ribbons of Hathor. He says something enigmatic, then disappears. Carter then runs into Felix, who claims to be following the path of the Ice God now, although Carter has been mused at this since Egypt is a desert and no such god exists. He eventually gets to the Hall of Ages with Sadie, where he accepts the mantle of Pharaoh and gives an acceptance speech where he just gives all his power to Amos, because, like, duh. He and Sadie then head down to the underworld to speak to their parents. Carter has a big talk with his dad about responsibility or something. He also explains that he and Ruby will be able to see them, but less so now that Maat has to retreat from the material world. Sadie also goes off and has a chat with her mum, but we don't get that bit yet. We then cut to Carter and Zia finally going on a date in the mall, and Zia says she's thinking about moving to Brooklyn House, and then smooches Carter. Chapter 21. Sadie. The gods are sorted. My feelings are not. We skip back a bit to Sadie's perspective on the aftermath of the battle, and she freaks out about Walt being gone, worrying that he's banned from seeing her again because the gods are piecing out. Then, when she's with her mother in the underworld, she gets a pep talk about following her heart, even if Walt is a bit of a weirdo with a death god possessing him now, something which would be easy to do because his and Anubis's bond mean they can stick around in the mortal world. I need to fucking read these ahead of time so that I write short sentences. <laughs> She also warns Sadie to be aware of other gods muscling in now that the Egyptian gods are retreating from the mortal world. Later at Brooklyn House, Bast rocks up and takes Carter and Sadie to say goodbye to Bez and Tawaret, who are planning how many babies to have together in the new cabin they're going to build near Sunny Acres. Bast then shows them a YouTube video of Horus ripping off Carter's pharaoh acceptance speech for the gods, and then says goodbye to her kittens for the last time. The two head back to Brooklyn House, where Walt is waiting. Chapter 22. Sadie. The last waltz. For now. Carter immediately bails to give the two of them some privacy. They have a nice little dance together, Sadie decides she's over the death prank, and they also smooch. Sadie then gives us a little wrap-up about how there are still potential future conflicts in the world of the Kane Chronicles, and does the Neo thing they do at the end of every book, where they're like, I know you're out there, come and join me. The end. Yay, we did it. So Jacqueline, what did you think of the ultimate finale of the Kane Chronicles? Uh, that was a resolution. <laughs> that that was that was certainly the way a story resolves. The I... plot has mechanically resolved itself. There are not uh, any like big conspicuous loose threads hanging, so you sure did that. Yeah, yeah. Like honestly, you know, good good job, Rick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was fine. It was decent. It was fine. There was some wonky shit in here. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Have a have a you you tell me one of those wonky things. I mean, we can go into it. Okay, so while Carter and Sadie are trying to kill Apophis, uh huh, Apophis drops on them like literally as he's being killed. That him dying means that the gods will also have to leave the mortal world. Uh huh. What the fuck? Yeah, this is like something that. <laughs> This is one of those things that the Kane Chronicles does a lot, where it implies associations between things in a way that maybe you could draw a connection as to like, oh, because of this, this is why this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, like it sets up things that like resemble or mirror things that will happen later, but it never quite like does a full setup. So it feels like, oh, I understand completely that this is... At least, at least have Setney be like, oh, you know this is a really fucking terrible idea, right? And then, like, refusing to tell them why. Uh-huh. Yeah, part of the thing is that I, it, it feels like... I'm of two minds about this because it feels like it's doing two things at once with this. Mm-hmm. The retreating of the gods 
this is this is obviously like a big thing like not all the gods are leaving but for the most part they're leaving the realm of mortal affairs this is kind of a return to the status quo yeah i guess it kind of is because they were all sealed in fucking obelisks and stuff before the start of the series yeah and now they're not like trapped anymore they've they voluntarily retreated they can still come to the like material world but it's it's just interesting to me that so much of this series was like okay now we have to get back onto the path of the gods we have to like learn to live in harmony with them uh but then like the ultimate resolution is that they leave like it's not like Mm. they're gone completely magicians can still access these paths but it just it, it feels a little strange it's yeah i i, I kind of like thematically like for the characters it makes sense because this is like this is like the culmination of the coming of age thing right it is it is they don't have the gods to rely on anymore so they're basically out stuck on their own but they've they've learned and grown enough that they can do that now right like this is the gods as these like semi-parental figures now withdrawing and letting the kids come into their own thing mm-hmm. um and like that's kind of continued with the converse- conversation between like the final resolution of like i guess like how carter feels about his dad and their final talk but I, it just doesn't like quite line up in the right way for me i think the the main thing that really annoys me about it is like the final confrontation would have had so much more tension if we'd known about this in advance yeah if like carter and sadie had had to think about it way up and make the choice that like nope okay we're gonna have to say goodbye to all the godly friends that we like to save the world yeah and if especially sadie was having a lot of inner conflict about like oh god what if i can't see walt again because now he's bonded with a god Mm-hmm. like it would have made a pretty rote like action finale feel a lot like feel like it had a lot more personal stakes for the characters definitely one thing i do like is that i'm glad that these three chapters like i'm glad we got the action basically out of the way in the previous ones yeah no that was uninteresting yeah because like we got a little bit of it like just like for utility purposes at the very start of chapter 20 Mm -hmm. but by and large you know this is just this is the cleanup and so you know i'm glad that it didn't extend too much further uh yeah it's just odd i don't know do we want to talk more about uh sadie and walt here uh sure what's okay well first of all the fucking chapter 22 pun that i only (laughs) just got before i started recording (laughs) it's it's called the last waltz his name was walt i guess it's waltz because there's like two of them now it's so fucking stupid but i do kind of like it (laughs) It feels like a title that Sadie would give a chapter. Yes, that's exact. I like to imagine them like verbally saying like, uh, okay, and this is chapter 22 of our audiobook. In in universe Rick Ryden with his head in his hands trying to organize it properly. Mhm. Mhm. Uh, yeah, so basically the final two chapters for Sadie are mostly Walt stuff. Mhm. Which is I guess an okay choice. This is because it doesn't like completely skimp out on the rest of her character or anything it still lets her have like the moment with her mom but i by and large this is about like her romance her relationship with walt and anubis yeah the, these two chapters are very much the like you, you you're supposed to end the thing on a kiss right 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 <laughs> i ended percy jackson and the olympians on percy and annabeth having a kiss what if both protagonists had a kiss with a different person this time. That's double the kisses. That's all twice as good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, twice <laughs> as many kisses, twice as good. Uh, I mean, everybody loved the part where, where Percy and Annabeth kissed. So it, I people like relationships in books, and it's not like these are like badly written relationships. Largely, like they're fine. The Carter and Zio one is had a lot of development. I think I'm largely satisfied with how that came out. Like, I think the mall date is kind of cute. Um, yeah, it's something we've had. We had originally set up when uh, Carter tried to get with Zia's functional dead sister. So nice to get a payoff for that. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, actually, just to to, I want to know your feelings on something because they're described as going to the mall uh, and getting uh, Chinese food, Mexican food, pizza, and ice cream. Now, uh-huh. uh, my question to you is. 
how what kind of combination of those four things would you have to make that at all palatable i mean it would just have to be like side dishes from every single one right i think so like if palate aside if you just ate that many main meals in a row you'd be sick and i guess that could be kind of fun to do with someone you like but also like they do not seem to be like queasy right like so nachos and pizza i get nachos and pizza together makes sense then i like what are they getting like i don't know some like spring rolls or something some fucking crispy duck and pancake i don't know uh, and I think ice cream is the one that really like makes me question this. <laughs> like, like maybe it's like a very light, like frozen yogurt or something, but I just feel like the ice cream would kill me. That'd be too, too heavy. God, we've got some ice cream in our fridge and I'm really excited to try it. In the fridge? No, no. In the freezer. Okay. <laughs> our roommate keeps her ice cream in the fridge and I don't what understand the why. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> that's no ice cream. That's just cream. <laughs> Yeah, um, but but yeah, so the mall thing is fine. It's fine. Fuck, American malls are bleak, even when being portrayed through like a slightly romanticized lens. Anyway, sorry. How so? <laughs> Nothing, just the <laughs> Zia being like, so is this what all American teenagers do to hang out? And Carter being like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we go to consumer <laughs> land. We go to product. Like... <laughs> It's like the it's like the kids who hang out at Walmart. Like Yeah. It's just it's just sad. Like damn. <laughs> fucking there should be like parks. That'd be you nice. Should be able to, you should be able to go like go to your friend's house and hang out. This is not the world we live in, unfortunately. Zia lived uh, a stone's throw from the fucking pyramids. Why does she care about the mall of America? Anyway, sorry, I'm <laughs> you were saying. <laughs> uh yeah, so I guess the resolution for Sadie and uh, and Walt. How do you feel about this? Uh, it kind of doesn't address any of Sadie's actual anxieties, is the thing. Because <laughs> he's just Walt. Like, we get, like, a, a bit of her, like, oh, I, I dipped my head into the duo and saw Anubis there. But he just talks and acts like Walt. I I don't entirely agree. I think you can see both of their personalities coming into play here. Like, I don't think Walt would say, like, oh, I'm going to use mummy linen cloth to gag you. I think that's an Anubis thing. Yeah, also, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, the the, the way that it made me say, hey, what the fuck? Very much an Anubis (laughs) thing. Yeah, you know what? Fair point. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But... uh, He's, like, fully gone into his, like, emo transformation now. (laughs) It's really funny. He is, um, listen, the reason I had Neo on the brain for the end of this book is that fucking Walt is hanging around in his, like, big, long black uh, leather coat. He's got, like, his black clothing on underneath that. He's very much rocking the Neo look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the reason I'm, like... The reason I feel okay with, like... I feel like Sadie's anxieties were addressed. It just wasn't with Walt. Uh-huh. Um, I think what we kind of came to realize over this book was that Sadie is like her main thing is that she's just really afraid of more people in her life dying. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I feel like, like the conversation with her mom was a pretty good resolution to that. So I don't think that necessarily, I think that like those feelings being cleared up and then her getting to be like, okay, what do I actually want to do now that I'm like not in a high pressure situation? Like, how do I actually want to pursue these feelings? I'm like, I think that works okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I guess I, uh, that my thing was more predicated on it's mostly just Walt, but you're right. There is a little bit of Anubis in there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's interesting. I have, I don't know. I, I understand, like you said, get it in the kiss on the, get it in the book on a kiss, but it's just, eh, I don't know. It feels like a kind of a odd ending. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can see that. Maybe it would have been better if there wasn't that like postscript of like and you know, there's still there's still stuff out there, but this has been the King Chronicles. Thank you for listening. <laughs> this is it, our final podcast. Man, how do you think the um the crossover is gonna be formatted? The crossover? Yeah. Wait, did you say what do you think it, what do we think it's gonna be? No, no, like how do you think it'll be formatted? Do you think like 
the the Percy and Annabeth chapters will be like normal, and then we have to deal with this again for the King Chronicles ones. Oh, that'd be funny. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I I think I read like one of these crossovers. There's um, more than like one. I, I mean, there's it's demigods and magicians is I think like three different stories packed into one book. Oh, okay, interesting. I thought it was like a full novel. Oh no 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 no. It's basically like there were a bunch of short stories that were like I think printed in the back of these various books. Ah um, right. And uh, afterwards, they all got kind of compiled together. I think one of them being printed in the back of one of these was how I read it. That makes sense. Uh, so I'm I'm I think I don't know I'm not sure how will we get the the alternating point of view. It's been too long for me to remember. Uh, <laughs> is the answer, and I I don't have a. I don't know. I, it, it'll be interesting to see, I guess. It will be. Uh, Wait, are you saying something? No. Oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> How much man. of a zombie... Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you go. God. I go, okay. How much of a zombie is Walt now, even? He has to be, like, full zombie mode. I guess like, so. He is but, like... entirely sustained by Anubis because his body fucking died. His, his body did very much die. Like, his soul is still there. So I guess, is he, like, a vampire? Like, like living soul, like, undead oh, this body? This really is the fucking early 2010s. Oh, my God. Wait, you're right. He became a fucking vampire. <laughs> oh, this is so good. Hey, it's the first time we've seen him without him being sick, too. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Hey, po- you know what a really weird moment in this was? What's that? When, um, like, Sadie rocks up on the rooftop to see Walt, and he says, like, Hi, I'm, I'm Walt. I'd like to join Brooklyn House, or whatever it is. And Sadie's like, Oh, he's he's saying the thing he said when we met for the first time last summer. Mm-hmm. And, like, great, thanks for filling us in on that callback to something that we never saw. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> we never got a flashback to that moment. The part of the, like... I thought it was kind of cool that we just kind of didn't know what it was like for ja- for like Jazz and Walt to join. But now it's like, okay, we're going to call back to it in a way that makes no sense because we didn't get to see it on the page. They were fucking so introduced like, mid-heist. So if like, God, if we like knew ahead of time what the fuck was, the deal was, like if we'd seen that happen, then I'd be like, oh, I, I get it. He's saying the thing. And we wouldn't need Sadie to explain it to us. It is like literally as unearned as that can possibly be. It's like, I don't know. I, you can write that anything happened in a book is the truth. Mm-hmm. Like you can say that like, oh, and I remembered our... The, the first time we ever locked eyes and he grew he grew four limbs but then I he, <laughs> then you know then they went away and you can just write that it doesn't mean anything though yeah and you especially can't treat it as like ah oh, this big momentous moment if you didn't fucking set it up oh actually just going back to like the ending of this book for a second uh-huh something weird that I noticed uh no Rick Ryden commentary at the end. Yeah, that's true. It's only at the beginning. I Oh, was it at the beginning? Fuck. It was at the beginning. It was like... Uh, let me find it really fast. Oh, here it is. This is a transcript of an audio recording twice before, blah, 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 blah. I must advise you that this third account is the most troubling yet. The tape arrived at my home in a charred box perforated with claw marks and teeth marks that my local zoologist could not identify. Well, then your local zoologist is shit, Rick, because it was Khufu that brought it and he's a normal baboon. <laughs> that's so fucking funny actually wait yeah <laughs> i i guess wait why is it charred i i guess khufu got attacked by like some monsters or something maybe they bit it i guess i don't know anyway i just thought it was kind of weird because usually this goes at the end but i guess you moved it to the start to stop it from undermining the ending or something if not for the protective hieroglyphs on the exterior, I doubt the box would have survived its journey. I like to think about this character, like this character Rick Riordan has created of <laughs> of Rick Riordan. Like, what kind of life are you living if you like you get these audio recordings? Um, in universe, you might also be the author of the Percy Jackson series, but I'm not sure because that would mean that you're writing. That'd be like how in like in DC Comics, sometimes people just like write the DC Comics. Like, because Percy Jackson does exist in this universe. 
I guess maybe like because the the Percy Jackson books are written as if they're Percy Jackson's personal journals. Uh huh. Like maybe he's sending them to in universe Rick Ryden to get them published. That like twenty years later or something like that. <laughs> That's no, so but then, fucking fun. But then why? But then why would they send these recordings to Rick Ryden if? What has he done of note in this universe? He must have published the Percy Jackson series. This is all I can think. Maybe, no. Maybe it's those fucking mystery novels he wrote in the 90s or whatever they were. Yeah, maybe his detective series got really big. And, like, (laughs) Carter read a bunch of them because they were just, like, airplane trash or whatever while he was, like, in in the airport. And he's like, I know, my favorite author, Rick Riordan. (laughs) (laughs) This is incredible. This is so good. I, I I need to know the answer to that. Rick Riordan, but only from this universe, only from the King Chronicles universe. Come on the show. <laughs> oh, and I guess I guess we should mention that, like as you said in the summary, during Sadie's conversation with her mom, and also at like the little the little epilogue thing, uh, we do get mentioned that other gods could be moving in and causing mischief. Okay. We, we've acknowledged the Greek gods like twice in this series already, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I think Amos just straight up knows about them. Yeah, the characters have never really like explicit, at least Sadie and Carter have never really explicitly known about them. But Carter has they- seen a Pegasus. I remember that happening. Yeah, but he was like, oh, it was a hallucination. <laughs> so, but... I feel like the the moment you'd want to drop at the end is like a funny moment of, I guess this is probably going to come in the crossover, but I want to see Sadie being like, uh, Zeus, that's a little far-fetched, don't you think? Or like Carter be- <laughs> saying like, actually, scientifically, this makes no sense. Like, I just think, I think that would be kind of fun if they like were directly told like, it's the Greek gods. Yeah, or maybe like they're like, oh, well, you know, it's sad that the gods are gone, but at least that means no more, like, divine meddling in mortal affairs. And then they find out that the Greek gods exist, and they just fucking collapse, because they can't deal with this bullshit. <laughs> God. One really good bit here was um, Felix, the, the little the little kid with the problem. Uh, the penguin. He, the, the penguin problem. Uh coming up after the battle and being like i finally discovered the the path i should take the path of the ice god and like summoning a giant ice sheet that everyone fucking trips on uh and carter is just like egypt is in the desert i don't think there's an ice god felix what the fuck are you talking about it's it's incredible like is he just like made up his own god in his mind and he's manifesting those powers from him or is he like doing these independently what's happening because it it would have to be like a pre-existing ice god, right? Because the way that the the Egyptian gods have been set up to work in these books is that like circumstances can sometimes differ, but they repeat the same cycles over and over again. Uh-huh. So it has to be the same gods over and over again. Yeah, well, but also I guess that it could just be him. Like he made up his own spell. Like he took <laughs> Severus Snape it. He made ice spell. Yeah, you know, pretty impressive for a kid. But, yeah, so, man, I just really wish we got more time with, like, these various kids and stuff, or, like, any of... I wish we had more time with more characters. Yeah, I I think we've talked about this before, but, like, it feels like we spend just enough time with them that they, like, hog time for the main characters to be developed, but not enough time that they get any development themselves. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think by and large, the main character's development, like, we we get a good amount of that. Like, I think we get, but I don't know. I guess my secret wish is that these books is, like, the, for the, like, third, the fourth book in the Cain Chronicles, I guess. <laughs> There's just, like, an interstitial moments between things. Uh, Bess and Tawaret, they're fucking. They, they are talking explicitly about how many babies they're going to pump out. Which is weird, because isn't Tawaret, like, always pregnant? She, well, uh, Sadie asked her, like, oh, you're pregnant. And she was like, what do you mean? So. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. Never mind. Uh-huh. You're making the foolish blunder. <laughs> uh, but. The ultimate party I, faux pas. It's just so funny that they're just talking so frankly about this in front of the kids. They're like, oh, we're going to have so many babies. You know, you better give us some alone time so we can fuck. <laughs> like. In the most romantic place you could possibly have sex, an old folks' home. God. Well, that's why they're building the cabin, Jane. 
Ah, I see. Yeah. <laughs> to insulate it. Yeah, the, the fuck cabin. Uh, <laughs> God. Oh, I'm, you know, glad for them. There is a moment... I don't know. Every time this comes up, it just fascinates me, like, what's going on. Because there's a moment where it's like, oh, Bast looked a little bit of an unhappy because I think she God. realized that she let a good man get away. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> nice guys, they they get what they deserve in the end. It's... Nice guys get anthropomorphic hippos to fuck. God. I would become a nice guy if that was true. <laughs> I, I, I'll cut that out, maybe. <laughs> anyway. Cowardice. Do we want to talk about that the legacy thing? Yeah, that's really fucking weird. It's weird. It's weird because Carter's like, oh, the 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 wars that Apophis caused no longer cast a shadow on history. Yes, like, they do. What the fuck does that mean? What kind of like weird like idealist interpretation of the world is this? Unless you fucking like push them into a crack in time, which takes them out of existence so that they never happened. Yes, they fucking do affect everything. <laughs> it's like. It's so nothing too because they. I feel like defeating Apophis should honestly be enough. Mm-hmm. But having to be like, and all the suffering and the anarchy and the war that Apophis caused, that also went away and it would no longer cast its legacy upon the world. It just does doesn't. This, does this mean that in this universe, the fucking Egyptian revolution like stopped halfway through because Apophis died? <laughs> I don't know. I because canonically world, Apophis caused that. In this world, and it seems so weird and so like, like did no more bad things happen? We know more bad things happened. Sydney's like, still around. Yeah, Sydney's still around, and they're explicitly, explicitly like still fighting demons and stuff. Um, yeah, their fucking their podcast almost got destroyed by demons. So like, I don't know. It just. It feels like a little like it was like oh I bet I should add this in. It doesn't <laughs> feel like it like the only thing it contributes is like a little bit towards the like Carter in his dad's shadow becoming his own person type of thing. And fuck you, dad! I solved all the wars. Uh huh. Like really, Carter should get the credit. He no more war happened. It feels so like. And he's putting his dad out of a job. He really has. People may as well not be dying anymore. <laughs> it's. I have to say that, like, it feels so strange because, like, I know there are more books. I'm sure there's going to be more war in this series, like, in this, like, multi. in this universe, not multiverse. It's one universe. Hey, who knows? Maybe Heroes of Olympus is just a fucking sitcom at Camp Half Blood. I continue to say that I would love this. Uh, no, to be clear, that would rule. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's basically what the Demigod files were, right? Those are pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh, man, the Demigod files. It's so weird that that had one of, like, the best stories in the entire series in there. Uh, yeah, no, that's really fucking strange. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe, maybe, that's, maybe this is where King Chronicles will redeem itself. Maybe one of those um, short stories is, like, the best thing in the series. I hope so. I, I mean, we get to see them bouncing off of our bouncing off of our uh concepts we're already familiar with mm-hmm. so i don't know it, it should be cool or mad it, claude. it'll suck mad claude mad claude, mad claude. god or satinay more satinay even i feel like I, I read like the blurb for the uh the thing because it came up when i finished the ebook and uh-huh. it was like they're trying to stop uh an evil sorcerer from becoming a god and if it's oh, not satinay i'm gonna riot <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah um, you know, oh, I, I, speaking of like, oh, sorry. I, I just want to point out, I've poisoned my brain. Uh-huh. Uh, I cannot picture Amit the Devourer as anything other than that weird apple dinosaur Pokemon. From the no. New one. Yeah. No, you're like, right. Like, that's a really good <laughs> mental image of Amit other than being completely inaccurate. Like. But that's it's just the, vi- the vibe he has. Yeah, yeah, the vibes. The vibes are right. Like, this is... What's He's the Pokemon called? He's just a funny called? little guy. It's like Apple Dawn or something? I have absolutely no idea. I It's Apple Dinosaur, Duck, and Weed Cat, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> oh, oh, you you mean... You mean, um... 
fue fue in in fuego. No, uh fucking what's it? Uh fue coco. Um yes. I thought you meant the other apple crocodile. What do you mean the other apple crocodile? For fuck's sake. You meant fue coco. I'm going to show you the other apple uh, maybe this isn't a crocodile, but uh apple there's a Pokemon called Applin that is just an apple that evolves into a Pokemon. Uh, well, they're uh, called Appleton, which uh, looks like this. Why is he presenting? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> he's sitting normally. It looks like it looks like he's like got his head down and his ass up. <laughs> no, he, the tail is at the bottom. Stop it. <laughs> You know, you know what? You're right. You're right. <laughs> oh, you're evil. <laughs> Don't leave Appleton alone. <laughs> Everyone Google Appleton and say sorry for what Jane said. <laughs> uh, post your favorite Appleton images in the Discord. Sure, please do. You know, I wish that we'd gotten more of like the rebel magicians. Like I wanted some of their point of view, honestly. Um, they just kind of really gave in- up, huh? Yeah, because it's really interesting to me that like some of them were just like, oh yeah, I guess we were on the wrong side. All right, we'll join with the Canes. Like, it sounds like there was some like complex, like multi-motivational, like there was stuff going on in that group, and I want to yeah, know what. Yeah, the, the Russian kid who I guess didn't die. Yeah, yeah, same Apparently he him. didn't die. He, he defected. But it, it's, I don't know, It's it would have been nice to get a look at like, what are these magicians thinking when Jacoby and Kwai are so obviously fucking evil? Uh-huh. And I guess this is this is still as much as you can expand beyond like oh, the the books only are from Percy's point of view? Well, that's kind of limiting. Let's make it from two of the characters' point of view. Like, this is just kind of an, an inherent problem with like unless Carter like infiltrated the rebel magicians at some point, then we just have no way of knowing, basically. Unless his fucking bar goes in there. Exactly, exactly. And that's I I would have preferred that to not happen, so I'm glad it didn't. Yeah, I guess I guess on balance that works out. So it's like, I don't know, maybe we need to see I don't know, what what would these books have benefited from like of like a looser perspective? I feel like you should just be allowed to cheat and do what the Skullduggery Pleasant books do, which is they have they are entirely from like one character's third-person limited perspective, except the occasional chapter is just written from the perspective of the villain, uh, and is differentiated by being written in italics. And that's it. <laughs> there is no explanation for why you get this information, but it fills you in on what the villains are doing, and it's good. I don't hate that. I I, I, <laughs> I legitimately think that's kind of fun. It's like in a TV show or whatever when you like you just like have an episode dedicated to like what's going on with the villains. What's what's fucking uh. Why is the first villain I can think of Shadow Weaver? I don't know. <laughs> Shadow Weaver's a good villain. Yeah, for sure. It's like, what's going on at the, the crocodile guy, the skull guy? What's going on with him today? Like, it, I'm okay with just having a bit of... I'm okay with having the perspective, but also breaking format. And these are not mm-hmm. books that break format very much. No, no, they are not. I do find it very funny that um, Osiris just straight up expected them to fuck up and lose Setney. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like, he oh, let, yeah. he let them promise that they were going to bring him back and let them, like, freak out about, like, oh, God, we lost him. He's going to be so pissed off. I mean, what are you going to say? Like, oh, I'm sure you'll lose him on the way. So, like, <laughs> he's got he's to gotta show a little bit there's, of confidence know, on but them. There's a line between that and letting them be like, on our lives, Father, we will return this prisoner to you. <laughs> He should have just been like, well, guess it's time to die. And then, like, put a sword up to Carter's neck or something. And then, like, just <laughs> kidding. Or even, I don't know, if if we're trying to, like, do, like, oh, you know, there's a growing distance between them. Maybe lean into the fact that, like, he was really looking forward to killing Setney as a way to feel some kind of power again. Uh-huh. And is maybe actually kind of upset that they lost him. Right. He's maybe even being kind of an unreasonable dick about it. But Jane, there's a problem with that. Which is? Well, see, the problem is that that would make it so it was like a like a there is some friction at the ending. <laughs> and this is the end of the series, you see, so there can't be any friction. Uh, you're right. All conflict must be resolved. 
uh-huh all the conflict has to be resolved <laughs> god yeah powerful I... the characters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, i guess i don't know we haven't really talked about like i guess like carter's whole deal and like the scene in the first gnome but like i don't know uh s- s- uh f- fucking what's his name? amos uh embracing the set static it's pretty fun it's a cool description. He he sounds like he he looks good. I'm glad that he's he's doing well. Uh huh. Uh huh. I do like I do like the idea that that like he's embracing. I don't know. I still feel like there could be some big metaphor about like trauma here, but I I don't know how coherent it is. It feels like the culmination for a story for Amos that has been going on that we have not seen any of, and I exactly. would have liked to have seen a bit more of it. Yeah, I agree. I'm like, that's not even something that you need to, like, alter the perspective for. He's their fucking uncle. He really... They, I think the only time we saw him in this book was, like, there was the war room meeting, and He's there was, like... playing Warhammer 40k with Zia, and that's it. And there was, like, a glimpse... There was, a like, a prophetic dream. There was a Ba visit. Oh, yeah. Man, you think about the last time we see Set in this series is when he shows up, like, on a boat halfway through this book to deliver... Oh, no, wait, never mind. Never mind. I'm sorry. I tell a lie. He's... Well, this is... The cycle continues. Uh, Set Set does show up at the ending when Horace is just stealing Carter's speech, which I thought was pretty funny. (laughs) That's very funny. I also... I actually really like this part where, um... Uh, Bast is like, oh, you know, I'm sure that they meant to say goodbye, but they couldn't because they had to retreat into Ma'at. And both Carter and Sadie are like, no, they those fuckers definitely just ghosted us as soon as they had no more reason for to communicate with us. Yeah, you know, I'm glad that that, that didn't get, like, wrapped in a neat little bow. Like, I'm glad that the gods, especially, like, Horus and Isis, remain just, like, assholes. Horus and Isis are huge assholes, and, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that that wasn't, like compromise just to have a nice fluffy ending mm-hmm so that's, that's like who those characters are they're they're they were with us for the first book and they were allies of necessity but mm-hmm. they suck they will kill you for power in an instant literally they say that like it's <laughs> interesting because at, what we see at the end is like kind of different because in a way like horse is accepting power carter is like I don't know. There's probably something to be said about like the strength to know when to let power go or when to abdicate it. Also, he's like 14. Also, he's a, he's <laughs> he's 15 years old. Is he 14 or 15? I don't know. It's fine. He, either he's, way, he's too fucking young to be a pharaoh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he is still the pharaoh. He is still the rightful king. He's got the king's bloodline, you know. Etc. Um, but. Yeah, he's he's also a high school student. He's also a high school student. Also, uh, set I guess indirectly runs the first gnome. Uh huh. <laughs> you know what? Good for him. Good for him. Like, no, I'm not against this. I just feel like Carter maybe should have had some more misgivings about that. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Oh, there's an early 2010s moment in these pages. What's that? Uh, Rick writes Facebook, like, face hyphen book. Oh, God, yeah. And that just, that makes me real nostalgic for a time where, like, half the fucking information on the planet wasn't controlled by Facebook, and it was possible to know so little about them that you could get the name wrong in your book and nobody would care. God, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder how people, uh, I don't know. This is like back on the fucking bonus episodes when we started looking at Andrew Hussey's Form Spring. (laughs) And it was like, he was, like, Talking about it as if it was equivalent to Facebook in 2010. Uh-huh. God. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. Like, it's 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 a nice glimpse. In a lot of ways, whenever I'm reminded that this book, like, it was written and takes place in, like, the 2010s or whatever. I guess, like, on, like maybe the 2000s still, now that I think about it. Uh, I like, think it starts... It starts in the 2010... In 2010 itself, and then, like, for, like into 2011, I guess, because it's been a few months. I guess that's true, yeah. Most of the time, I'm reminded of this because it's like, oh, the the cheese element, uh, X3 uh-huh. monkey, random, funny. <laughs> uh, this is usually how I'm like, oh yeah, this is the time period that this was written in. 
but uh, sometimes it's like these little moments of oh, like technological nostalgia, or like just like like a, a different way of viewing the world, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Actually, wait, wait. I was I was ragging on there being like no friction at the end of this, but there is actually like one bit in the underworld that does actually kind of fucking hit. Uh huh. Which is um, like just before Sadie has like a big talk with her mom. She's like, I wanted to break down and cry on my mother's shoulder. I wanted her to hug me and to tell me it was all right. Unfortunately, one can't cry on the shoulder of a ghost. Which, like, fuck. Okay, no, we are actually emphasizing that there is a, a growing gap between these characters that can never truly be bridged. Yeah, I think it's, like, really kind of powerful that Sadie never got to make a connection with her mom until, like, her mom died. Like, uh-huh. like the, the fact is, like, and it's not it's explicitly not a two-sided relationship it's basically i mean it is in a way but like materially i guess it's it's sadie it's all about sadie and i think that's like important because sadie and carter are just like grief machines (laughs) they they have so much to mourn and to grieve and i'm glad that like I don't know the idea of like being able to find something about someone after their death is like i think that's good it's good. It's also very funny that um, Sadie is like, aren't you supposed to tell me to like stay away from like certain kinds of boys? And Ruby's response is like, well, my taste in men is also pretty terrible. Which I think is is true. Her husband did get her killed and then induct two of her children into, into being like child soldiers for an ancient cult. I mean, to be clear, they both did that together consensually. <laughs> okay, that doesn't make it better is the thing. Yeah, that yeah, still, I mean, that they, still makes her a poor judge of character. That's true. Yeah, no. <laughs> Speaking of like early 2010s moments, I think the line is like, "Well, no matter what man you you get, you're gonna be getting multiple personalities out of them." Hey, yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's very like, ugh, great, great job, Rick Riordan. For that. <laughs> How'd you feel about this book, Jane? I think. Hmm. I think uh, are we like ranking series? Well, I don't know. Do we want to do a big wrap up episode, or we just want to go along on this and kind of talk about the series as a whole? I feel like we could because these these three chat these were three chapters and they weren't hugely substantial. Uh huh. So I guess we could kind of impromptu kind of move into like series autopsy number four. That's true. <laughs> uh, and then we just move right into Heroes of Olympus next week. Uh, sure. Hmm. I'm glad that we're taking yeah. these decisions on the fly. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't break tradition. Maybe we shouldn't break tradition. Actually, we're yeah, already at like an. Um... Yeah, no. That this, I guess, this series still does deserve its own wrap up episode. Yeah, I, yeah. I wanna, I wanna give it a to do. We can figure out something to talk about. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But just like okay. uh, when it when it comes to your feelings on this book, like how do you think it's come out as a whole? Uh, I think this book has uh, a pretty shite start, an actually surprisingly good middle. And then a pretty mediocre end that can't quite sustain the momentum that it built up in the middle. But like yeah, that middle, it is good. The middle is very good. Uh, I pretty, I pretty much completely agree with you. <laughs> I think that this book, it it fires some shots. Uh, they kind of sputter out, and it rides. It it very effectively rides the waves of those like the lines that were drawn kind of shakily i'm i'm mixing up so many metaphors <laughs> uh, but it basically it rides out as effectively as it can until it can't anymore is what i would say until it just kind of peters out uh and stops like a giant snake exploding in a desert but for an ending you know what it's fine like i don't i don't hate this I, this is a satisfying enough conclusion to the king chronicles it's as satisfying as it can be with like how shaky the foundation was and how like how like inconsistent the characters have been. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's certainly no last Olympian, but it could be worse. Could be worse. <laughs> and, and on that, put I that think on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> Unwise girls rates it three out of five. Says could be worse. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it could be thrown a fire. I love books that just like post negative, like like books and movies that just put their negative reviews on the back cover or whatever. I think it's so funny. Wait, wait, which ones do that? 
I know um the the Steam page for Undertale for a while had um like all the most negative parts of all the positive reviews it got. Yes, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking of actually. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, the Jim Sterling rated this like nine out of ten. Some of the jokes drag drag on a bit long and got kind of boring for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. You know what? I'm always saying this. Rick Riordan should take more inspiration from Undertale. <laughs> this is the Undertale of books. What? I, this could this could have been the Undertale of books. I guess it is literally an Undertale because like, their headquarters is underground. Very true. Very true. So I'll have to concede to you on this point. Well, all right. Next week, we'll be wrapping up the Kane Chronicles. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, I'm going to say now that if you want to find us, you can find us on twitter.com slash unwisegirls. There you've got links to our personal Twitters, our Discord, and our Patreon, where you can support us monetarily. Uh, you can also do that by, not monetarily, but support us by rating five stars or leaving a review. That really helps. Uh, tell a friend even. Uh, for a dollar a month on our Patreon, patreon.com slash unwisegirls, you can uh, get the Discord rule, which will probably be changed to something else next book. But for now, you will be a whittle doe being, and uh, uh, that is the rule you get in our server and our appreciation. Are we just going to change it back to the PGO rules? Because I guess they'd still be thematic, or should we come up with some new ones? Oh, we'll, we'll change it back at first and then see how it goes, maybe. Good idea. We'll wait until halfway through the series to change them again. Yeah, sounds fine. <laughs> uh, for $3 a month, you get the role of Big Ba Energy, as well as all of the uh, bonus content we produce, uh, like our bonus show, Nectar of the Pods. On the last episode, we discussed uh, Peacemaker, uh, some surprisingly good Homestuck pages. Uh, I also destroyed Jacqueline's sense of self. That did happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh god we talked about uh gods of egypt too we've talked about prince of Fuck. egypt on there lots of good stuff one good thing and one awful thing uh guess which one is which and for five dollars a month you get the role of bast head pat pass this is your last chance to use it she's retreating yeah. back into my heart if you can find your way there i guess you can continue to use it but we're changing the roles soon. We're going to be... We've almost run out of these scalped passes. I mean, these perfectly legitimately obtained passes. <laughs> Listen, the, these suckers are in high demand. And with that role, uh, you get all of our bonus content and a thank you at the end of episodes. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank Mercy, Veronica, Friend, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode see you next week camp half blood see you next week camp half blood bye, bye.